0: Very soothing, relaxing. Is that true? Why is it? How can sex impact sleep? And is there such thing called perfect sex? Welcome to Deep into Sleep Podcast. I'm your host Ishan. Today our guest is Dr. Moali, a sex therapist, and also the host of Sexology Podcast. She will help us answer all these interesting questions. Let's find out more. Hi, Dr. Moali. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this conversation. Me too. I have listened to your podcast. I really like it. I know you are in the field of, you, you are good at a lot of things, but sexual wellness is one of your specialty, at least. Yes. Thank you
1: for that beautiful introduction. Yes. I'm a certified sex therapist. So and my podcast is about psychology of sex.
0: Yes. And my specialty is sleep medicine. So I'm curious, a lot of time I hear people talking about, you know, they use sex related activities to help them fall asleep. Uh, They may feel relaxed after having sex or masturbation. And I'm wondering whether you are aware of any connections between sleep health and sexual wellness. What an interesting point. You
1: know, I I hear from my clients that they say that, uh, you know, after having sex, it's easier for me to fall asleep. So what I, I did a while back, I looked into literature and see what could be the real relationship. Uh, is there some findings around that? And that's what's interesting is scientists found that there, uh, there are certain hormonal changes during sex that helps with people falling asleep. So sex boost actually oxytocin and lower cortisol, which both are great. So oxytocin is the hormone that makes us feel connected and cortisol is a stress-related hormone. So uh, when we're having sex, then those hormonal changes happens. And uh, for a bonus point, when people have orgasm, they get a release of uh, prolactin, which makes them feel relaxed and sleepy. So that could be part of what's happening for many people when they're reaching orgasm, when they have sex. And specifically for women, sex can boost estrogen level, which helps with enhancing the REM stage sleep and help people to have a deeper sleep. So that's another connection that I found.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. So people's feeling, what I heard from others, actually, there are some scientific evidence behind it. It actually do reduce our stress level and can help us feel more relaxed biologically. There mm-hmm. are lots happening in our body. Right.
1: It's kind of like hormonal changes at the cocktail that makes it easier for people afterward to be able to fall asleep.
0: Yeah. So when we talk about that, it reminds me, you know, sometimes people, just like sleep, we have performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think for sex, sometimes people have performance anxiety also, right? So I'm wondering if someone listened to this um, scientific results, they may think, oh, I have to get orgasm. I have to have a good sex in order to be able to feel relaxed and reduce my stress. Is that true? Well, I think you brought up such a good point. So,
1: no, we know that similar to sleep, when we are fixated, that I must get an orgasm, do so you experience an orgasm in order to be able to have a good night's sleep? Uh, then that's almost a perfect recipe for a disaster of like not being able to have a sexy one uh, because during sexual experiences we need to be at such it's a kind of optimal point with uh, arousal and also a kind of feeling relaxed when we are kind of like more anxious and when we are focusing on uh, kind of being task oriented uh, that gets in the way of us getting connected to our body and that might actually hinder us experiencing orgasm. And for many of my uh, male clients, it lead to them losing an erection, which definitely people can uh,
0: lose sleep over that. Oh, wow. So if we give ourselves too much pressure about whether we have to please ourselves, reach certain point or please our partners on bed, actually good sex may not happen. (laughs) Absolutely. And again, uh, we talked about part of
1: what changes our hormones is not necessarily connected to orgasm. So you might even lose the benefit of kind of like changes in oxi- oxytocin, and also you're increasing your cortisol when you're stressing yourself out. I tell people that like many of my male clients, that they have erectile functioning challenge, when they go at their cortisol level to get tested, they see that their cortisol level is high and that's why they're not able to get an erection. So there's definitely a connection there.
0: Oh, I see. Wow. That's very interesting to think about what may be behind all this and this hormonal change we may not be aware of. But if we always in that mindset and uh, try to pursue those, try to please everyone, including ourselves, you know, our body reacts to it. Absolutely. And
1: again, that there's an element of evolutionary psychology. Be there, right? Because when we were in nature, in kind of wilderness, uh, for our ancestors who were living in caves, if you were getting chased by the lion, it wouldn't be beneficial for you to uh, get blood flow in your penis or your genital. You needed that blood flow to your leg. Uh, so you can run. so the the same kind of situation uh, also now is present for many people that uh, if you want to have optimal kind of sex uh, sex, that's good enough, uh, it's important for you to focus on regulating your emotion and more importantly, not focusing on the result.
0: I really like the word that you use good enough sex, not, so-called perfect sex, right? So regarding this, I get a lot of questions from friends, from people I know, even though I'm not an expert. So I'm very happy I can ask you because a lot of people think about what is perfect sex? What should be the standard? A lot men think about I should be uh, harder, I should uh, uh, last longer to make my partner satisfied. But I'm wondering, is that true? Is that really what women want? And does that really, you know, if you push yourself to meet certain standards, does that really give you a so-called perfect sex?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up that question because I get that a lot from my clients and you said, like from the, as you said, from the community that people are misinformed, about what good sex is because as uh, if you're thinking about the education you got from around sex most people they haven't received any education about uh sex or they received a sex negative education and what they learn is mostly from porn uh kind of a sexual entertainment material i'm not against porn but what happens is when we're using it for sex education we get the wrong idea about uh what what's the uh, kind of good enough sex look like because in porn we don't see any foreplay we don't see any uh kind of like uh, play and engagement that leads to people be ready their body to be ready for penetration and uh, after i don't know a few minutes of uh, penetration the couples have this like mind-blowing orgasm but that's not how sex work right so many times my clients they think especially when they're in a heterosexual relationship that what would make the relationship their sex better especially from male partner is that I'm, i must as you mentioned last, last long and i i the penetration needs to be my penis needs to be firm all of that without kind of having a conversation with their partner of what uh, she wants. Um, And many women, as we know, they're not experiencing orgasm through penetration. It's actually about clitoral stimulation that helps them to experience orgasm. Uh, So I love that you also think that The key word is uh, good enough sex because there is no perfection. And uh, it's important for us to focus on what gives our body pleasure and uh, making sure that you are having positive experiences with your partner. So it's more about when it comes to sex, what it feels like versus what it looks like.
0: Hmm. I like it. So really feel it with your body, have this communication with your partner, uh, what we think, or it should be this way. This is the so-called good way may Mm -hmm. actually not really be helpful to the relationship, to the intimacy, to the interaction. Absolutely, and
1: you know we all are different about what uh, turns us on. What are our turn-ons and turn-offs? And uh, one misconception that I hear at times from couples is that saying that my if my partner likes me, he or she would know what I like. And I always tell them that uh, their, your partner is not a mind reader and our bodies evolve and our needs evolve. So it's important for each individual to verbalize what works for them and communicate that with their partner.
0: Yeah, that's a very good suggestion. When you talk about communicating with the partner, I think actually a lot of people are really either feel shamed or shy or worried they're going to hurt their partner's feeling by communicating So I heard a lot of my friends um, in the Chinese community that it's even more a taboo to talk about this topic, right? So a lot of people actually just say no to sex. I'm either too tired or I have children to take care of. I'm not in the mood for it. So I'm not hearing a lot of communication from couples, but it's just a rejection or a lot of excuses in this kind of... uh, bedroom activity what do you think about it
1: absolutely you know i grew up in a conservative community as well and i'm iranian american and i know in our community it's the same as well that we have lots of implicit uh kind of communication that it's not okay to directly say uh what's going on so we imply and especially even for, for my clients that are coming from more uh kind of uh western culture uh they it's tough to talk about sex if that's something that you haven't experienced growing up so and i think it's important to acknowledge that when you're talking about it with your partner so if you're thinking about kind of restructuring your sex life with your partner the first good step is to carve out time to talk about it and I, again as you mentioned that this can be a very challenging topic and you can share that with your uh partner saying that you know i want to talk talk to you about something, but it feels very vulnerable and, comf- and uncomfortable. So they know that this is a challenging uh, topic for you, uh, but it's a, it's a very important topic because what happens, as you mentioned, as our lives evolve, as we our jobs get busier, as we're having children, unless we really focus on maintaining our sexual connection with our partner, it 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 will uh, kind of deprioritize. And many couples, because of that, they end up in sexless relationships and marriages. That's not what they envisioned ever for themselves.
0: Right. I think I read some data. Actually, the sexless marriage or sexless relationship, I think that means you have less than one time of sex each month, less than that kind of frequency, actually, The percentage for couples like this are quite high in America. Absolutely. And you know, it's an interesting secret that many couples have because
1: almost everyone thinks that other people are having more sex than them. But in a monogamous relationship long term, you're right that big part of population are in sexless marriages and it's not something that they choose. They end up
0: at that place because of how things um, unfolded in their lives. Yeah. So a lot of things get in the way. Earlier we talked about having sex is really helpful with with our stress level, with our sleep. But for couples like that, life really gets in the way. It either gets them or maybe something wrong with their relationship. They don't want to be close with their partner. So is there anything they can do? I'm sure couples like that may may seek help from professionals like you. Right, right. I see a lot of
1: couples with mismatched libido, like one partner wants sex more and the other partner for a number of different reasons. uh, They don't want uh, the stats frequency of sex or they don't feel sexually open to their partner. One, uh, One of the contributing factor is very related to what you're talking about in your podcast. Like people are tired, we all are exhausted, especially now, like during, uh, like we're recording this in 2021, that what a year everyone had kind of in a global level, and we're exhausted. And if we're not prioritizing sex, uh, then that would become the uh, last thing in our list. And we are already psychologically, physically tired. And we, when we are tired, uh, we're not experiencing desire and our bodies are not responsive. It's almost uh, impossible to have sex when you are in that level of exhaustion.
0: Yes, so being tired definitely is one big factors behind this. No, I don't want sex, and let's just uh, skip sex, and then skip, skip. Turned out to almost have no sex. Absolutely, and then it becomes
1: uncomfortable, right? If when you are not, you haven't had sex with your partner for years or for months then initiating and like changing the cycle can be uncomfortable. And at times our bodies are not, are not ready Uh, for sex when if we haven't had sex for a long, long time, because the way that it works for most people, the more frequent uh, connecting rewarding sexual experiences you have with your partner, you will be uh, open to have more of that. It's similar. Like if you're going to a restaurant and you have a great food and great experience, it's most likely that you would go back more likely that you would go back compared to another situation when you go like you had food poisoning or you didn't like the food. So it's the same concept with sex as well.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like our brain need to link sexual experience with pleasant uh, environment, feelings, and to, to help promote it. Absolutely, yes. And I think the more we're, we're sexual with our partner, more
1: most people feel more connected. And that connection can energize a relationship outside and inside the bedroom.
0: Yeah, that's so important to remember. And then you mentioned earlier about the mismatch libido, right? I heard so many, especially women. I talked to more like uh, uh Asian women about this because normally they are more open about um what they are not satisfied in their marriage life. So a lot of them didn't notice this mismatch libido in their own relationship. Do you think that's very common thing? Is that something we can do something about, or it's totally biological. We cannot do anything about it. Well, there's, there could be a
1: part that's biological, but absolutely that's something that you can negotiate and, uh, kind of work, uh, work through with your partner. And it starts with communication. So, um, uh, so when we're talking about mismatch libido, we're talking about a partner that wants sex more and the other partner doesn't want the sex to the same frequency or at all. So I talk about the different possibilities that can contribute to this dynamic. One is in all like different stages of our lives our health and uh, kind of physical physiological health and psychological health is uh, different. Sometimes we have lots of things in our mind, we're stressed, we're depressed, have a number of different things that are going on, and that impacts our desire. Or sometimes there could be a kind of like medical issues. Sometimes when we have diabetes, we have blood pressure, all of that also can impact our uh, kind of ability to be sexual with our partner and desire. And sometimes the issue is relational. So sometimes I see that couples coming in that there was a betrayal in the relationship and the issue hasn't been addressed so that one of the partner feels hurt and then they don't want to be connected uh connected with the partner but if it's not necessarily psychological uh it's important to kind of like the first good step is to kind of talking about when you are at your optimal place with your sexuality kind of going back to sleep some people are morning people some people are uh, night owls so it depends on you and your partner what kind of a style do you have Times we, when we're talking about it, like we'll decide on somewhere in between. So maybe during noontime on weekends would be where you, when you would be at your optimal place with your hormones, you're not exhausted. So kind of starting from there, kind of like starting from the time that your body is more responsive and kind of like this kind of scheduling sex. So one thing that I talk, a time I share with couples is that if you are in a monogamous long-term relationship, uh, you need to schedule sex because if you don't schedule it, then the children comes into play. Your family comes to play. There's so many responsibility that you have that you will might, you might not have time already or be ready to have sex, but when you're scheduling it, at least, you know, that you carved out time, you kind of took care of children. Uh, That's the time that you are dedicating to connect
0: with your partner sexually. That's, that's so interesting because we always say, well, when we are busy, sleep is the first thing to go. feels like sex is possibly one of the top things to go also if we don't schedule it. Absolutely.
1: And again, if you're tired, it's like we're not even sexually responsive. So that would make, that can make things more challenging as well.
0: Yeah. So for scheduling sex, I would think about both pros and cons. I, w- I can imagine when we're scheduling sex, we may think, wow, this is something to look forward to, right? I can be prepared and I know that time gonna be our bonding time, gonna be a great time. How I can, I look forward to it, how I can prepare for it better. But on the other hand, nowadays we do everything online. There are so many meetings. Will someone feel like scheduling sex is just another thing on top of my long to-do list and become overwhelmed? Absolutely. So as, I think it's important to keep in mind that when you are
1: scheduled sex, you're scheduling this time to be connect uh, connected with your partner. Uh, and sex could be mean lots of different things. Yes, it could be penetration, but it could be giving each other's massages, kissing, caressing, doing like reading some erotica. So it could be a number of different things. But to your point, that at times I tell my clients that they say, no, it's not sexy to schedule sex. And I tell them, you know, what's not sexy? Not having sex (laughs) is not (laughs) sexy. (laughs) So... you can have spontaneous sex if you as as you wish and when you want it, but when you're scheduling a sex, then you are making sure that you are uh, kind of like it's an optimal time for you when it comes to busyness. And also uh, you can prepare some ritual around it for yourself to become emotionally open. And what, what would that entail could be like doing some breathing exercises, mindfulness, meditation, because anxiety and stress can be a huge inhibitor for many men and women to be able to be sexual with their partner. When we are anxious and our brain uh, is racing, it's hard to be connected sexually with our partner. So when we're knowing, for example, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Uh, is my sexy time with my partner, then maybe at 9.45, 9.30, you can start with doing the ritual that helps your body and your mind to get calmer and quiet.
0: Mm, I really like that. It feels like a lot of time we have very narrow narrow definition about what sex is. So a lot of people tend to see that as a task, as a responsibility. And when you're tired, it's not enjoyable. It sounds like sex can be so many different things. Uh, It's about pleasure, about bonding, not only with your partner, it also includes sex with yourself.
1: Absolutely, and you know that they found that there was a, one of my colleagues did this study around uh, sexual experiences of couples during COVID. Mm -hmm. And what she found that, that many people lost their orgasm because of the level of stress. But when you are physically connected with your partner during sex, that can help your system to get regulated. So it's a regulatory, uh, it has kind of have that benefit as well. So you're right that it could serve a different purposes. And you're right, unless you're trying to have a child, then there's no no need for sex to be anything related
0: to penetration. Mm, right. Other than with partners, a, a lot of people do have the question about sp- masturbation. Like in what frequency is that healthy? Or I know a lot of couples when they are in a relationship already, they may have negative views about masturbation, right? Kind of like we're together, then you don't have your own time for your own pleasure.
1: Well, that's a common question that I get that, uh, first of all, uh, some cultures, again, including my culture, like the messages around masturbation. Is often negative, like it's not sometimes it's not talked about, or sometimes it's kind of like have this negative connotation. I know that like last century they're talking about, you get a hairy palms that are gonna go blind if you masturbate. But what we found right now, it it can be a great tool for uh emotional regulation. So it's a way for you to experience release. Uh, it can help with anxiety reduction, so it has numerous benefits and the Thank you other benefit that it has that's so important is that it helped us to know our body. Sometimes when I have couples in my office and I ask each partner what you like, one of the partners, oftentimes female partner, she cannot say what she likes because she never explored her body. So when we are exploring our body, we have more awareness about our likes and dislikes. I know that sometimes couples, when they are in a relationship, there is an expectation that uh, you're not uh, engaging in masturbation. You're not uh, experiencing any solo experience because all of your uh, sexual experiences need to be with me. And that's lots of, lots of pressure to put on yourself and your partner for a number of different reasons. Uh, because sometimes, again, at times, we have different times that we are feeling excited and aroused. And if our partner is taking care of their sexual need, then they're not going to pressure you for making sure that you are fulfilling their needs 100% of time. And also, there is a, I think there's benefit in engaging in indulging your creativities. And sexual fantasies are a source of creativity for us, as you're practicing that, then it helps you to be more in contact with your erotic uh, life. And that can actually energize your partner uh, sexual experiences. Uh, you You asked about when it becomes an issue. I would say it becomes an issue if you uh, kind of experience performance sexual challenges with your partner. So, if your partner want to be sexual with you, and uh, you masturbated several times that day, and you're not interested to be with them, then that shows that. Then, okay, it kind of takes away things from the kind of relationship. But again, also, and me and you as a mental health providers, so we know that if that's the case, then there are other things going on. There, this is a system of avoidance that that perhaps can get in the way of. People kind of wanting to be connected sexually with each other. Um, so I would say, unless it disrupts your relationship in a way that you're not able to be sexual with your partner, or gets in the way of you showing off or kind of like your work, because you know sometimes people get so preoccupied with masturbation that they kind of sometimes they uh, stay up all night and they masturbate to porn and they're not going to work next day. So if if it's not that extreme, uh, then there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, I like that. Thank you. That's, uh, I think that's possibly very helpful information for a lot of uh, couples to know, for a lot of uh, people to know for themselves, right? There's a limit, there's a boundary, there's a function of it. And when you talk about it, it remind me of in sleep how we think about if you just rely on sleep medication or something else to help you put you to sleep, you lost this independence you lost this natural ability to to fall asleep it feels like sex too if you always rely on your partner to be the one make you feel great to fulfill your sexual needs then you are missing something missing the chance at least to explore your own pleasure your own body and also the pressure is definitely high for both parties Absolutely, and you know, sometimes I have couples that they say that
1: you know, uh, when they don't masturbate, that they feel rejected when they're rejected and angry when their partner don't want to have sex with them because they don't have that outlet for themselves to kind of explore their pleasure. Uh, so it alls kind of like they rely over rely on their partner to help them with their release and sexual pleasure.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So that's, um, I think that's so consistent with a lot of marriage therapists. What they talk about is a relationship is a two person dance. (laughs) It needs a lot of negotiation, communication, understanding. And uh, so when we have needs, our partner may not that's necessarily gonna be there for us. So how to really reach a nice balance in between, how to keep the communication channel open so you can dance together very smoothly, not step on each other's toes all the time. Absolutely, you're right. That
1: uh, is just a matter of balancing your own uh, kind of like uh, personhood independence and uh, the connection that you have with your partner.
0: Yeah. I love all this information, Dr. Moali. So um, near the end of the show, is there any final wisdom you want to give our listeners if they are listening and they are really curious about this topic, about uh, sex wellness?
1: Well, I think one important com- uh, recommendation, invitation I have for your listeners uh, is that if there's an issue around sex, make sure you're addressing it sooner than later. Because what happens is at times research shows that people wait three to five years before seeing a professional. And what happens between these three to five years is that- Lots of relational issues get secondary issues get built up. Then you're resentful resentful toward your partner. Maybe there you will have other relationship, outside relationship, uh, your primary relationship. So it can add up to the kind of multiple layers to the initial issue. So if you've been struggling to connect sexually with your partner for a few months first good step is to talk to them. But if you feel like you guys are not able to problem solve it, working with a sex therapist also can be a next good step.
0: Great. Great advice. So if our listeners want to find out more about your podcast or your practice, how can they find it? Well, thank you
1: so much for asking that. So um my podcast, you can find it in iTunes, teachers all over kind of like places that people listen to podcasts. The title is Sexology. They can find the podcast on sexologypodcast.com as well. And I'm a psychologist and sex therapist in Los Angeles. Uh, so
0: they can find my information about my private practice as oasis2care.com. Great. Thank you so much. I will put all these links information on the show notes also to make sure people can click through and know where to find them. Thank you so much. This was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Mo'ali. Thank you for coming to share all this. This is awesome. So this is my conversation with Dr. Moali. If you like what she shared. You can find more of her information on her website at oasis2care.com. Right now, I'm also learning some knowledge about sex therapy. I hope to use my knowledge to help the Chinese community to reduce sex-related stigma. So I just started a YouTube channel, in Chinese, talking about sex-related knowledge. If you or your clients are interested in it, you can find the information on my website at mindbodygarden.com. Thank you for listening to our Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host, Ishan. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently. And there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on.